0: Hi everyone, I'm Laurel Simmons and welcome to another episode of the Right Club Podcast. Catherine Nelson Riley, who is our co-host today, is here and smiling. And Catherine, who are our guests today. We have Alex and Kaylee Powell. They have been uh,
1: part of the Right Club, actually, our community for oh, well this almost seven years for the Wright Club, and it's been phenomenal to see them grow. With their property management and today they're sharing it's going to be a two-parter so much information so part one is just coming up and let's get going so we can hear what they're doing where they're going
0: yeah it's really interesting they took wow, syndication and we talk about project management and there's all kinds of tips and tricks so listen to both parts of this episode you learn a lot because we did but now let's go to the episode but just before we go katherine Where do we want people to go to get more, lots of information about real estate investing? Uh, Just go on to
1: www.therightclub.com, R-E-I-T-E dot com. That's Real Estate Investing Training and Education, where you'll find thousands of hours of resources for you to help you in the business of real estate investing.
0: All right, so let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Well, hi, Alex. Hi, Kaylee. It's just wonderful to see you and talk to you again. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been. It has
2: been. So thankful to uh, have us on here. Thank you so much.
0: Well, since we last spoke to you, which was I don't know a number of years ago, I think things have changed. The economy's changed. The world has changed. So Families let's
2: just changed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Family's changed. Yes, yeah. Yeah. your yeah. family has grown quite a bit. So, what's going on? What are you guys focusing on right now? Let's get right into it.
2: Well, we so for the last little while, we have been obviously growing and becoming more sophisticated in terms of investing. And I think that our approach to investing over the last few years was actually wise because I think we did a good job sheltering ourselves from what's been taking place with higher interest rates. So despite that, we do have properties that are you know not as pretty as we'd like them to be. Overall, our portfolio is still pretty healthy, which I think is a good place to be. And I think that's actually uh, done a good number to give our investors' confidence in us as to like how we can give them returns even in such volatile times. So our strategy and our our plans moving forward and going to 2024 is we are focusing on the after business side. We are focusing on growing our property management company. We've grown it to a hundred doors and we've done zero marketing or advertising. is just through word of mouth and just from providing really good service. So we're super proud of that, but it's like, you know, maybe it's time that we should actually like let people know we do this because maybe they could benefit from it. So that's been a, a big kind of so we've got the infrastructure now and we find a lot of people focus on the marketing first and the operations later. And I think in property management it's one of the one industries you can let people down really quickly and easily. So I'm pretty happy that we focused on the operations first and now the marketing after, so that we can kind of promise and give better results on the back end. Oh. So that's Um, Prong one is two prong approach, and the second prong is we're actually focusing on much larger multifamily uh, buildings, and we're focusing not just in Canada but actually in the US as well. So we've uh, so just
0: before you get into that, I want to ask you. Then you started off with single family homes and and smaller multis. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Well. At the very beginning, of course, single families, and we have graduated, like, you know, you're doing duplex conversion, then triplex, and then fourplex, fiveplex, and then commercial to residential conversions. And then we, like, flips. we, yeah, we've and done a lot of flips. Like, we're probably getting close to like over a 100 properties having bought and sold or renovated or whatever throughout our, our time. But we, uh, we just finished the eightplex conversion in St. Catharines. Actually, it was a massive success. So that place fully occupied now, and it's humming. It's uh, it's nice. So so yeah, the natural progression for us is being okay. Where do we? What's the next step? Where do we go next? Is we know now, and I oh, can actually talk about this because I'm sure your viewers will be interested in just where the market's going and what's happening. We see it, I'm sure, now too with like duplexes, triplexes. The numbers don't work unless you're willing to keep a lot more money in the deal. I don't know if you guys find the same thing.
0: Oh, that's true. I mean, you have to have a lot of money, even just to to get property right now right like Mm -hmm. it's just insane and cash flow per door is really falling because everything is so expensive and you can't raise rent at least in ontario not except other than the the, you know the, the regular whatever the government says you can right
2: for sure and that's the big challenge too that we find is that like of course you know we understand the you know the sensitivity around you know booting somebody be out of their house or their home so that you can renovate and fix it up and make, you know, raise the rents. However, in these buildings that you see a lot of them in Ontario, they need help. They need renovations. They need to be updated and financially it doesn't make sense. So it's almost like this circular that you get is where the tenants are like, oh, we're living in these slummy conditions because the properties aren't you know, taken care of and lands like, I would not have no money to, to do anything with it because we can't execute on the business plan that we, you know, uh, intended to execute on. So it makes it very challenging here. And that's part of our diversification strategy of moving to the US as well is to find areas that we can, where you can actually execute on a business plan.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
2: it's not actually such a, there's an abundance of properties in some of these states. So, you're actually just working on the market conditions. You're not working on such a heavy, you know, mis or non distribution of supply and demand, I guess you can say, right? So, places strong like strong
0: government intervention.
2: Yeah. Like places like Columbus, like, you know, if you raise your rents too much, it just won't rent. That's the case. Okay. Other options. Um, so,
0: that's Ohio, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that where you, is that where you focus? Like, is it Ohio? What other states are you in?
2: Yeah. So we're right now, our two main um, places of focus are Ohio and uh, Tennessee. And more specifically, like the, else, it's not necessarily Nashville particularly, but more Knoxville like and, and kind of the of Memphis that is another place we would be looking at. Columbus and I would even consider Cleveland. These yeah. are like great emerging markets in Cleveland's slow. You're not going to get the same appreciation, but you're not going to get that same appreciation in multifamily anyway. You know, it's very slow and steady. However, the cash flow is very good. And that's what I think is a wise move in the in the market right now is to focus your investment strategies on cash flow. I find over the last three years there was such a rush to buy real estate, anything that you could get your hands on because, Oh, who cares? Buy it. And it's a piece of crap. Then it's just going to appreciate in a year. Yeah. They can tell them about the client that you had that couldn't deal with the renovation. What was his name?
1: I don't know. We had a lot, honestly, but that, it always happens. You see it when there's ever a, a change in a market and a situation and people can't pivot fast enough because they're relying on something that now is outdated and things have slowed down and you can't, it's, been a very safe play, even new builds. We're seeing new builds even slow down. Development, people aren't able to afford to develop in areas anymore.
2: Those people that put all their eggs in that appreciation basket, because in real estate, you know, your cash flow, your mortgage pay down, your appreciation are your three kind of common, you know, ways of earning money. I find a lot of people are just saying, well, appreciation is where you make the big bucks. That's true. You know, you want to buy in a market that's going up. However, when you put all your eggs in the appreciation basket, you're putting them all in the basket that you have zero control over because you don't control the market. The market controls the market. So, you know, you find people that are made some money on buying a new build and say, oh, this is fantastic. And then they buy into another one and now, eh, uh uh-oh, now they can't sell a condo to save their lives and it doesn't cash flow. So,
1: Funny because I feel there's a generation of investors and I'm sure you guys have probably spoken to a few of them. Who were investing in like the 70s, 80s and very similar market conditions that are like, yeah, like we didn't buy for appreciation because it didn't really exist. You know, we bought a long term investment to hold it long term and then they reap benefits, but they're still kind of investing in the same way. They're looking for moderate cash flow, reasonable cash flow, long term appreciation that would be reasonable. Not, you know, we're seeing like 30 percent some years. It's insane.
0: Maybe even more in certain areas. Yeah, that's crazy. So you're, you're in divest, no, divesting is not the right word. You're investing in the States. Mm-hmm. You have your property management company are really going well. And I think there's other things going on too that you've really started to explore, correct? In terms of syndication.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the syndication world is, I find that there is a leap between when you're going into like duplex, triplex, fourplex, and then if you get into the like Semi larger, like once you're getting into double digit multifamily, like 10, 12 units. But then there is this gap between that and the 50 unit buildings. And and so we haven't officially gotten into one where like heavily immersed in it. We're actually going to Pensacola, Florida in January, actually, to do like a full immersion with some individuals we'd be networking with out there and starting to gain the momentum. But of course, I'm someone who's like analysis paralysis. I've got that engineering background. So I want to make sure that all the t's are crossed and the i's are dotted before we just jump right in so yeah um but it, i find just from what i been looking at the challenging part is the cost of entry
0: and that's why So, before we get into those details that explain how you think that this is going to work like when you say syndication because some am like an adult some people don't know what that means mm-hmm. so ex- tell us what you're thinking and, ha- and how you see this rolling out for you
2: so syndication is you're effectively pooling funds from multiple different people. So when uh, I'll kind of contrast it to, let's say, joint venture partnerships, we've done a lot of joint ventures and we've been very successful at joint ventures where you take one or two individuals who are interested in real estate investing. I've never done it. They don't know how to do it. They uh, think real estate's a great you know, opportunity and they want it part of their portfolio, but they're like, I don't have the context. I don't know who, what to buy, what makes sense. I've got a full-time job and I'm really focused on that and or my career or my family or whatever the case may be. However, it's still there as this like shining goose that maybe somebody would want to partake in. The benefits of joint venture and partnership in that situation is that you can actually have a working partner do all the heavy lifting in terms of finding the deal, executing on the deal, doing the renovations, making sure the tenants and the assets being managed properly while all you're doing is investing the capital and you get to reap the rewards. Uh-huh. Syndication is similar, yeah. except for the fact that it's typically less, uh-huh. I would find, less capital investment, especially here in Canada, because from, from, from a perspective, the cost of entry is quite high.
1: Especially I- if you only have one partner. If it's, you know, you have an active partner, you're the yeah. cash partner, that's different. Syndication is an opportunity possibly to multiple people. Oh, yeah. You you're can... pooling small amounts from one. People,
2: yeah, and so we have to target you know, accredited investors, mm-hmm. people who can uh, qualify under certain SEC regulations, right? Because we, we want to, and these are all things that we're still learning, and we're still going through the, the motions of making sure that we've got all those T's crossed and I's dotted. Mm-hmm. But the benefit to the investors is that they don't necessarily have to invest as much money, however, they can still reap the rewards of buying a multifamily property that cash flows. And we can execute on a business plan in the U.S. much more favorably than we can here in Canada.
1: Yeah, with much less potential roadblocks.
2: Yeah. And so it's all like an interesting way to say it is like it's like diversification in the same industry in a certain sense. I think that if you have all your eggs in Ontario real estate, fine. Mm -hmm. However, I think that, you know, we've seen a massive rise in appreciation. We've seen a lot of regulation come into place. I don't think regulation is going away anytime soon. In fact, I think it's probably going to get worse or or more stringent, right? So, however, I am still bullish and we are still bullish on real estate in general, especially here in across Canada and the US, there is a need for housing. Mm -hmm. So we can help regenerate some of these properties to make them uh, more modern, updated, more livable, more safe. The case may be that's kind of our forte. What we've done for the past oh, ten years, might as well just do it with more doors. Just adding a couple zeros on the end of it.
0: So with syndication, are you thinking about focusing the syndication in Ontario and or Canada, and or the U.S.? Because I would imagine that there are some, I don't know, little tricks, tweaks that. Hoops, you have to jump through. There's, you have to jump through hoops everywhere, right? But they're different in the U.S. And then I would imagine every state is different, just like every province is different. Correct?
2: For sure. Well, the answer to that is actually both. So we are still, we still have our marketing dialed in here in Ontario. We are deviating to obviously larger deals. So we're actually thinking about one here in Hamilton, smaller ten-unit property. However, in the U.S., same kind of thing, except larger scale properties. There is actually a lot more affordable. The price per door can be a lot more favorable. But you're right; there are different hoops, different challenges in each. I think fundamentally, who your investor base are and how you attract your investor base is very similar between the two. Because you know, you have to attract credit investors to have a certain worth. They have to have a certain, you know, yearly income base. However, that plays out. However, the the uh, I was going to say there is when you're investing in the U S. You need to make sure that you're protecting your investors and ourselves from double taxation. That's a, a reality, but there are corporate structures in the way that we're like we already have a corporation in the U S. It's already set. We've already done this because we've flipped properties in in Columbus already. So this was all part of the trial process of making sure that the taxation elements are all ironed out. You know, we use our own money before we use someone else's. That yeah. whole mantra.
1: And the team is in place. And the team's we in place. We have really good resources now that are in the areas that we're looking to invest. Yeah. So it's trial and error, but you do it on your own dime first,
0: and then you can execute at a bigger level. Yeah. How long did it take you to find the people that, that, that who make up your team? Because you're right. That's the critical component of any business, and any, and especially real estate, right? You have to have the people because you can't always be there, number one you have to rely on other people and you can't do everything yourself. Neither do you want to do everything yourself. So how do you find those people? Or how long did it take you? And what did you go through to find those people outside of where you are working and living day to day?
2: I'd say he's pounding the phones. No one's going to want to hear that.
1: That's all him. <laughs> I can't take any credit. Alex has honestly been integral in finding all those connections. But I've also never met someone who would just relentlessly get on the phone day in and day out. Doesn't mind, just keeps calling and And you have to call a lot.
2: So you guys understand too, Geely is front person on the SPM side, solutions, property management side. And so I've been doing more of the U.S. integration stuff so I can speak to it a little bit more fluidly. However, the short answer took probably about six months or so of just, you know, we had some cash set aside, we're like, you know what, we're going to put this in the U.S., we're going to see what happens. And we're doing this all virtually. I'm going to be going to the US to look at the property that it's to get my own eyes on it, walk through with three contractors or whatever it might be. So from the onset, we did everything completely virtually. And that was just networking with different wholesalers, networking with different real estate agents, networking with different uh, property managers, contractors. And then you start to kind of understand who the players are. You start to get on their mailing list. And I would caution people to this, at this stage, once you start to get traction, you got to kind of put your money where your mouth is, because otherwise yeah. you're one of those tire kickers.
1: Yeah. So you got to make sure And you will be if, blacklisted instead.
2: Well, well yeah, I, I mean, people will still keep on your list, but of course, they're just not going to give you the time of the day. So
1: I find their lists aren't as general, though, as what the lists are here. Here, the lists of some wholesalers are like thousands of people. They're yeah. huge, but there I find it's a little bit more cherry picking. Yeah, they do more. Call someone that they know to be very reliable, yeah, and flexible, and that could kind of work. And they'll just call versus blasting it to everybody. Follow
2: up games strong, yeah, in the very US. much so. And on, on calls from wholesale a lot of time, Alex, yeah, I was going like, listen, I just sent you a property. I think it's perfect for what you're looking for. Here, you just kind of have like a shotgun approach. I find it's very much more generic, but I mean, it's just a different approach. Maybe it's more competitive there. Wholesaling's also being around in the US for ages longer than it has here it's here. much more
1: common too it
2: really just i think wholesaling has existed here for a long time but it's kind of went mainstream do you guys feel that as well like it went mainstream like maybe three or four years ago and then it really like took off um, as this like opportunity for people with very little capital to get into the investing space mm-hmm. but to veer back mm-hmm. to kind of how you set once you start networking with these different people, kind of building what they call a buy box, which is an interesting definition, which is actually very good from a clarity perspective, see super crystal clear on what you're looking for, and so that helped me kind of okay. Well, for me, I'll, I'm looking for a, a property value add opportunity in these specific areas, and I'm looking for a minimum of a thirty k net on a flip. So you know, especially
1: because. Is there's so many options.
2: Yeah, and they'll send you up a so list. many. So you know, and you then you have to do your due diligence and vet it, and you know relay that to your real estate agents for sell true. it on the back end. You have to vet it with the contractors that are gonna, you know, do the work itself. So we ended up doing our last two flips once well, again. Never saw the properties in person. We never met the contractors in person. Never met the realtor in person. Never met the wholesale in person. We bought it, renovated it sold it and on each we made about 25k so a little bit under what our intention was but 50k for probably a sum total of like i don't know like collectively if you put all the hours together maybe a week's worth of work wasn't Mm -hmm. too bad
0: do you actually go out and and ask your wholesalers or when you talk to people i guess part of your criteria is it location because location is really important. And I know you have various cities, but are you do you narrow it down more? Yes. Do you, how do you do that? Because you're not there.
2: It's a website called Neighborhood Scout. It's uh, super handy actually. When you go on there, it shows you crime data, it shows you all kinds of different data from different subdivisions within state or within a city more specifically than a state. So if you look at Columbus, Ohio and Neighborhood Scout. You'll see all these different areas and some will be like really dark blue, which will indicate the crime per person or, per, or with the likeliness of, like, you know, you getting into a situation where you're subject to some sort of a, a violent crime or something like that. So you tend to focus on areas that are lighter in color, right? Mm-hmm. And then you start to see where the transitionary areas are. So you'll see like maybe a blue state and then not so dark blue and then a light color. And you can be, okay, well, maybe this area is transitioning. And then you also deal with the local realtors. Like these people, this is their job is if you find someone experienced and we, we happen to connect with, with a really good agent. Her name is Carly Cupina in Columbus and she's awesome. I'll definitely give her a shout out because she was instrumental in kind of helping us understand the values of what we would eventually sell for. And she like hit the mark. In fact, I think mm-hmm. on both of them, we got it a little bit over asking. So, but they were, I felt conservative enough for us to trust her judgment because you don't want, also, a realtor, oh, you'll sell this thing for like 300? No problem. They be listed as crickets, you know? So she had a very good way to justify it. And the, we
1: sold quickly with both, you know? which is key. Yeah,
2: for sure. And she also held the contractors accountable too on every half. Yeah. she stay went stay above and
0: beyond. She was great. Oh, awesome. well, that's great. You have, like, you have to love someone like that, right? Oh, yeah. And you're going to go back, obviously, because yep. that kind of customer service is, is worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And what are you thinking then of, well, in terms in the States, are you seeing the same kinds of jumps in appreciation that we are here or that we have Mm -hmm. seen? Because appreciation is actually, there's negative appreciation now. I think that's called depreciation, right? But was there the same kind of wild activity in the last couple of years in the areas that you're in the States? Yeah. Maybe in Florida.
2: Florida's being great. Oh, Florida,
0: okay, <laughs> yeah, we are. We're not investing down in Florida
1: at this point, but yeah, I,
2: personally, like I, I like Florida. Where, as I said, we're going to Florida in January, but uh, I find that there's a, everybody in their uncle is going to Florida, so it's part okay. of it uh, actually. And where we decided to invest initially came from like a personal. Connection. Like one of my best friends and the godfather to my our middle child, Nathaniel, he lives in Columbus. And so, having gone there and visited and having some familiarity with the city, mm-hmm. not a lot, but some, kind of was okay. Well, let's look at this as a potential. Mm-hmm. It just so happened to coincide with like one of the really good emerging markets. So, you start to. Look at yeah,
1: I ticked a lot of boxes yeah. initially. And again, with the the background that we already had with it, we're like, okay, this is cool. And it's fairly close. You can drive if you wanted to. Six is was not far.
0: Yeah.
2: So, you know, that kind of was a couple of ticks in, in the in the list as we were going down. And like, you look at things like Intel has, has just opened up, or they're creating a chip factory and just mm-hmm. outside of Columbus proper, it's like half an hour outside of a, New Albany. And it's supposed to create like 3,000 jobs, supposed to be the largest chip factory in all of North America. So, you know, you start to see that kind of confidence within these like Fortune 500 companies. You gotta kind of say, okay, well, wait, maybe there's some, maybe had something.
0: Here. Yeah, we should Google be
2: opened up one of their headquarters in Columbus. Um, and then you also see like just the carnage that took place in the 70s, where you look at like Detroit, Toledo, Columbus, Cleveland, around to Buffalo, that whole, you know, loop under Lake Erie. There's a lot of opportunity to actually from a, an affordable housing standpoint, from a derelict infrastructure standpoint. I'm not sure if they're actually going to do much with it, but there's stuff that was just left by the wayside when everything moved to China from an industrial standpoint. And I think that as, uh, you know, as the geopolitical stage changes and develops and automation and artificial intelligence really starts to take effect, I think that you might see, like I know a lot of things are moving from China, let's say to India right now, because it's still worth it, right? From a fa- uh, manufacturing standpoint. I do foresee like in the next maybe decade or maybe next 10, 20 years, things will start to come back home because why do you pay anybody to do anything if you can just automate it? Uh-huh. So anyway, all these things are going through my brain. These are all predictions. I'll look back at this podcast in 20 years and if I'm right, then you know, maybe I'll have a... Glass
1: of the stuff yeah there you go we'll feel very good about it
2: but anyway <laughs> that area the midwest excites me because it's got a lot of this like opportunity to improve because it kind of was left to its own devices when everybody pulled out And so now it's like like
1: Hamilton 15 years. ago. Yeah, it's kind of
2: like when, you know, Hamilton was steel town. And then all of a sudden it has to find a way to redefine itself. Mm -hmm. It has to come up with something new. And so I think Columbus is on the forefront of that being like, okay, maybe they're going to be the semiconductor, you know, area or whatever. Who knows? But I think that regardless of what it is, I think that it's a. I think Columbus is a university town. It's the capital of Ohio. So there's all these other like pros for it as well. You know, you see a lot of hustle and bustle in it's the area. It's
1: a for a lot of transit going yeah. either way. Yeah, exactly. On so i So
0: that's a good thing. That's very important for sure. And then if you oh, had to choose one strategy, because you've got a number of strategies, and I know this isn't a fair question. I'm going to ask it anyway. If you had to choose one strategy in... Out of what you're doing right now, which one would it be? I would always be value add and yeah, long term
1: buy and hold with value add on the upfront. And if that involves like repurposing a building, so either adding additional units or upgrading, that would be always mine. I, to me, I just find it enjoyable. It's nice to go in and to put new vision and to put new life into something that's existing. And then have a great product that you have no intention of ever selling.
0: All right. Wow. What's the best way to reach you? Well,
2: our website is www.howpropertysolutions.com. And there's a bunch of you can book a call there. There's also a, we've got a lot of free giveaways on there. Ebook that you Mm can download. It's how to get your foot in the door. We also have like a syndication guide. So an introductory to what apartment building investing looks like. And that's of course, our Instagrams, Pal Property Solutions, and then obviously Alex Pal and Kaylee Pal on Facebook, I think is probably the best ways. All right. Our, our emails too, if you're interested, they're super simple. They're either APAL or PayPal
0: at palpropertysolutions.com. So, super. So people can find you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you very much. And we'll have you back again in the, and let's not make it two or three years because, you know, you guys, a lot of things are happening for you. So it's always fun to catch up and see what you're doing. And I think you inspire a lot of people. So thank you.
2: Thank
1: you, guys. Yes, thanks you're so very grateful for at the time. It was so nice to see you too as well.
0: Okay, bye-bye for now. Bye, guys. Catherine, I don't know about you, but I learned a lot. And I'm really looking forward to part two of this interview because as much as we learned in part one, there's even more in part two. So everyone, thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.